You know what the old saying is, of course, if you have a face that only a mama can love, well, at least your mama loves you, right? <laughs> Nobody here like that, but anyway. I'm going to be looking at uh, three verses today, just three verses from uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. So we're going to put the, that up on the screen right there, and I'm going to read it for you. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. And do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. What a great scene. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we bow before you today. We've uh, sung some songs and we've done all sorts of things, and now we quiet ourselves and we look into your word. And I believe with all my heart, no matter how old we are today, uh, no matter if we've only been on this earth a little while or if we've been on this earth for over 80 years, you have something to give each person here today. You have a blessing for each person. We're so thankful to be in your house and to have the word of truth open to our eyes and our souls to see. And so we ask, God, feed us today that we may live as you have us live and that you may be glorified in our lives and praised in our lives and uh, in our spheres of influence. And we ask this for Jesus' glory's sake. Amen. So we're looking at Mark's Gospel. And uh, this is a family-oriented message, so we're going to take a break from the experiencing God, as was said. During his sermon, a pastor was speaking about the need for unity within the church and uh, looking at the youngsters in the congregation. He said, children, God wants us to be one. And at that moment, one particular five-year-old protested and said, I've already been one. I want to be six. I want to be six. That's a child for you. You know, children tend to have um, a wonderful and sometimes humorous way of looking at God and interpreting the happenings around the world through their little minds. And sometimes we who are much older and have been around a little bit longer, perhaps have had our faith tested, and sometimes we go through seasons of life that aren't so great, Uh, we kind of need to be able to recapture the kind of freshness of vision and insight that kids often openly display to us. And the passage of Scripture that I read this morning, the one we're going to look at uh, today, points out a few interesting facts for us to consider along those lines. And the context of the passage, if you look in the Gospels and read before it and after it, uh, the context here in Mark 10 finds Jesus doing what he always did. And that was uh, answering questions when in the company of the religious leaders. And sparks usually flew whenever the Lord was confronted by the likes of the Pharisees. But Jesus was the new go-to figure. And people who had inquiring minds wanted to go to him and wanted to hear from him. Uh, even those who who didn't necessarily agree with him. 
So that's the context, that's the background to what uh, took place here in Mark 10, especially in verses 13 to 16. Uh, but here's the thing. Wherever Jesus went, whole families seemed to show up as well. And uh, as was the case in Matthew 14 and parallel passages uh, where Jesus fed the 5,000. And you may also remember how the Lord used the lunch of a little boy who had uh, a few small fish and loaves of bread, used that bread to miraculously feed a stadium's worth of people who had been following him for a few days who he had compassion on. And here in Mark's Gospel, he wrote that people, and by that he meant parents, parents were bringing little children to Jesus to have them touch him. And touching in Jewish culture was important in terms of receiving blessings. Fathers and grandfathers uh, would gather their clan, touch each male, and ask the Lord to bless their lives. Abraham did that. Isaac did it. Jacob did it. And it was in that very moment when the touching happened that the Jewish people believed that God would channel the blessings to those who are being touched. And once again, here in Mark, families are doing this exact thing with Jesus. They believe that the Lord was uniquely authoritative. I mean, how could you not think that? The way he spoke, the things that he did. And so people were looking at Jesus and saying, yeah, I think I want to bring my kids to him. And so they brought him and they wanted Jesus to touch their children, right? The Jewish culture touched their children so that they could receive a blessing. And uh, they received that any, uh, they believed that any blessing that the kids received would be spiritually magnanimous and poignant. But you know, Jesus was often criticized for speaking um, to people that, um, a lot, you know, his followers and the religious leaders thought he's just wasting his time. And so he was criticized for spending too much time with so-called wrong people, people like uh, tax collectors and sinners and perhaps even children. But here, even though Jesus was conversing with adults, right, adults, it was children who were pressing forward and who wanted to be near him. And all you kids that are here in church this morning, um, if you are willing to put up your hand, how many kids here want to be near Jesus? <coughs> Anyone not want to be near Jesus? Good, 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 right? And Jesus wants to be near us, wants to be near you. And we know this because of his reaction to the disciples uh, who were actually trying to keep the kids away from him. And seeing the movement of the kids and the will of the parents towards him, Jesus says to his disciples simply, let them come. Don't keep them away. Don't hinder them. Let them come to me so that I may bless them. And after all the time that his disciples spent with the Lord, you would think that they kind of figured it out that he liked to be around youngsters, right? But perhaps they didn't. But here they were trying to keep kids, like all you kids here today, they're try trying to keep them away from God Almighty, from God in the flesh, from the very Son of God in their presence. And the disciples were kind of playing the role of bodyguard or the secret service, if you will. And on the one hand, trying to protect Jesus wasn't such a bad idea. He had a lot of enemies, remember. 
And it was probably good at times for them to exercise caution in terms of who and how many people they would allow to approach their master. Back in that day, mobs of people would converge on the Lord, so much so that at least on one occasion, you will remember, Jesus had to actually get in a boat offshore so that he could teach them. And then there was another time where a large, where a, a large crowd pressed against him and one woman who had been bleeding for 12 years by faith kind of lunged towards him and grabbed this garment, believing that if she grabbed it, remember again, Jewish culture touching, right? Touching his garment, that she would receive a blessing, that she would be healed. And she was by her faith. Then there was also that other time when a furious mob of people tried to usher Jesus to a cliff and throw him off. And so crowds were a factor when it came to Jesus. He just drew people. And sometimes it was good for his closest disciples to have his back because things could uh, very easily get out of control and get out of hand. And things could happen that shouldn't happen. Controlling the masses was actually very important. And so quite naturally, the disciples grew accustomed to keeping the crush of people away from the Lord. Yet these were children, right? These were children that we were talking about who, who, who wanted to, to come to Jesus, to just run up to him. Can you imagine this? Have a visual in your mind. Run up to him, hug him, crawl all over him, sit at his feet, pull his beard, whatever it may be. Just do things that kids do. And Mark notes that Jesus became indignant. He uses that word. Uh, when the kids were being held off. And as is often the case with Greek writing, uh, one word can have multiple meanings. For instance, uh, we know that the word love in the Greek is understood in, in four different ways and said four different ways, even though it's the same word. Uh, and that is agape, phileo, eros, stergo. Uh, but it's all the same word. Here, the word indignant, instead of meaning angry or, you know, someone who steamed extremely mad, it actually means to be grieved. To be grieved. What Mark wanted to communicate was that Jesus was saddened. He was saddened by the fact that the children were being kept from him. It made him upset like that. But children were attracted to the Lord for good reason. He showed them unconditional love. And uh, they love to be with him and around him. And oftentimes, during elections, we know that politicians can do this type of thing. When the cameras are rolling, they take kids in their arms. And when they're running for office, it makes for a great photo op. And it makes for a wonderful picture. These types of pictures are designed to send a message to the voters that, that this is the type of person that kids like and can relate to on top of uh, making themselves look very warm and friendly. And we usually have a favorable impression of someone who likes children. And uh, it doesn't matter who it is, if they're famous, uh, we like to see that they like to hold kids and be around them. Now think of the opposite spectrum, right? The opposite side of it. Think of someone who makes it very clear that they do not like children. Kind of grumpy around them kind of uh, in a bad mood when they're around or when there's a lot of them around. They can't stand the noise, 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 as the Grinch would say. And I don't like the noise, noise, noise that comes from my teenager sometimes, but that's a different story and a different sermon. <laughs> but there are those who feel that kids should be seen 
but not heard. And they have no use for kids being around. It's not that they hate children, but they just have no use for them being around. And, you know, they, they, they have no time for fun and games or messy rooms, spills, crying, chaos, and things like that. So they just repel the presence of children. Uh, the same could not be said of Jesus. Right? The same couldn't be said of the Lord. And children knew that about him. Now, kids are highly observant uh, they may not be able to articulate and easily process all they see and hear, but, but children know when they're accepted, and, and children know when they're loved, and children know when they're not accepted, and children know when they're not loved. Right? Children knew they had a special place in the heart of Jesus. And he had this magnetism about his person, and presence, I'm sure. Kids were easily drawn. His warmth, his compassion, his gentleness. And so they longed to be near him. How could we fault them for that, right? And maybe Jesus made faces with them, you know. Maybe Jesus did shapes of animals with his hands. Maybe because he was a carpenter, he'd say, you know how I make a wooden boat? You know how I make a wheel? You know how I make a rattle? This is how I do it. And you can just... Picture the kids being mesmerized by being in the presence of Almighty God who is obviously tender to them, caring towards them and showing them attention. I could see Jesus carrying candy if it was around in the first century. I don't know if there was a first century equivalent to candy, but if there was, I could see him opening his hand and saying to the children, pick one, right? Pick one. As, as, as I said, he was obviously tender and kind towards kids. And so he says to his disciples, let them come and do not hold them back. Here's what I think. The disciples are thinking this. They thought that, you know, children would be a nuisance to the Lord. Added arms and feet and voices that would clutter important teaching times and wear him out. But then Jesus points out, that the adults, the parents, those in charge of the children needed to let the kids come so that he could touch their lives and bless them so that they could know God at a young age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, this is key. Know God at a young age. You know, this is why I always frown on believers dating non-believers, right? Christians dating non-Christians, because every date is a potential mate, right? And in my days of pastoring, I came across many instances where mothers and dads, but it, but it was usually mothers, who would come to me and tell me that their unbelieving spouse does not share the same Christian values as them, and therefore do not let their children come to Sunday school. What should I do, pastor? Well, <laughs> right? It's tough. And usually, it's the kids that suffer. Right? The children are being kept away. And that's not what the Lord wants. It's one of the consequences of not obeying 2 Corinthians 6.13. And if we think we're grieved over such things, imagine how Jesus feels. Right? We can see in this passage today how important children are to Jesus. Right? You know that, children? All the kids here today? Jesus just is crazy about you. He, he, he loves you like crazy. Uh, 
when he looks at you, his heart is warmed. And this is what he wants to do. He wants to hold you in his arms. And he wants to touch you and bless you and love you. So he's crazy about you. And uh, that should make us really, really happy. <laughs> right? And so he's crazy about kids and he doesn't want any obstacles or barriers that would hinder them from coming to know God, knowing Him. He wants us to make a way for them to be in God's house and to learn more about Him. Listen, people rarely forget what they learn in Sunday school. We forget sermons. Well, not mine. Okay, maybe not Paul's. Um, but we forget sermons all the time, right? But we rarely forget what some Sunday school teacher taught us, right? We rarely do. Um, That, you know, in our young years made an impact on us in some way. I work at a halfway house in Peterborough, and I can tell you that even though people do some, some very bad things, Uh, they still remember being taught the golden rule in Sunday school. They still remember all the stories about Jesus, still remember Jonah and the whale, still remember Moses and the Red Sea parting, and all such things like that. And because of that, some of these same people who've done some bad things, even some terrible things, we're talking sexual abuse, we're talking murder, multiple murder, right? Because of Sunday school, because of what they were taught when they were young and children, they tend to come back to it, you see, because they're looking for hope and forgiveness in their latter years, despite what they've done. And some of those things are despicable that they've done, right? We are a society that needs our children and young people to know that God unconditionally loves them and that they have a Savior who died for them, to know what God thinks of them, right? They need to know what God thinks of them and His will for their lives, and it should all start in childhood. I want to show a few scriptures. You know, this was the vision for parenting that God gave His people. And... um, One of them is Deuteronomy 6, 7. I'll turn around and read because of my vision here. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And there's another one. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And the third one. You forgot that one? Okay, it's Proverbs 22.6, right? Train up a child in the way they should go and later on they will not depart from it. And so... The Jews were given a vision for parenting that encompassed teaching their children from a very young age. And so, in light of that, we shouldn't really be surprised to read of Jesus saying to his disciples, don't hinder the children. Don't keep them away from me. They need to come to God, and they need to come to God when they're young. And it is so great to see that this is what you do here at Lakeside, right? Very encouraging for me because I've pastored a lot of small churches 
and we had minimal kids. And half the time, it was either my wife or someone else. It was just one person who could look after kids. And if there was no one to look after kids, then the kids weren't taught. And so it's nice to see here that you have a good crop of volunteers uh, and that children are important to you here as a family. And so Sunday school teachers may not see it now, but they're making an impact on the kids sowing spiritual seed that may only bear fruit 10 years from now. But you know what? 10 years from now, these children are going to really need Jesus. Just think of how old they're going to be, right? We do the math, right? So the Bible teaches that God wants children to come to Him, to know Him. And what is interesting is that the words child and children are listed 480 times in the Bible. 480 times. But here's the amazing deal. Very rarely does it actually refer to physically little children. When the word child is referenced in Scripture, it usually speaks of the child of God. And that is uh, what God individually calls those who are His own. He calls them His child. And so when Jesus says, let the little children come to Me, yes, He was referring to the kids around Him at the time, But in a greater sense, he was talking about you and me. He was talking about you and me. Because in his sight, those who belong to him are God's children. And God has a very special relationship with those who are his. He wants all of us to come to him with our lives, to acknowledge him. He wants us to see him as the one who loves us openly, affectionately. And this is why kids were drawn to the Lord. And what did Jesus do? Our account tells us that the Lord took them in His arms. He took the children in His arms and He blessed them. And friends, there's not one of us here today, there's not one of us here today who couldn't use a touch from God this very moment, this very day, or who don't need His provision and blessing in our lives, in our homes, in our families, right, in our workplaces. It's okay to go to God to ask Him to bless you in some way. A lot of Christians think, oh, I'm being selfish, I'm being self-centered. No, no, no. No. It's okay to go to God and to ask God to bless you specifically and specially. God wants to do that for you, right? He wants to do that for you. Yes, we must be mindful of blessing others and asking God to bless others, but it's okay to run as if we were a child into Jesus' open arms for a special blessing and to do so often. But the problem sometimes is that we're adults, right? We're older. We've put our childlike ways behind us. And some of us have become very mature in our faith. We've become very sophisticated in our faith. And as a consequence, we uh, may also uh, have become very reserved in how we approach God in His presence and perhaps are no longer as vulnerable in His presence as we used to be. God works with us easier, uh, some, some of us easier than He does others. Right? God knows He has to pull teeth with some people, uh, while others He can work very, very freely with them. Right? And yet God sees us and says, I still see you as my child. I still see you as my child, even though you're 85, <laughs> even though you're 50, right? even though you're 20. You're still my child, He says. I see you as one who still needs to run to me and to wrap your arms around me. And in return, we can expect that He will embrace us and touch our lives and bless us. 
And so we need to continuously cultivate that kind of childlike intimacy with God. Think of your life. Think of your life. Think of how things are around the world, how messed up it can be. Think of just how hard life can be. Don't you just want to run and jump in Jesus' arms some, some days and just hide? Yeah, sure do. Just want to hide. Say, Lord, cover my eyes, cover my ears. Don't let me speak. Just let me be quiet and rest, right? None of us, uh, there's not one, one person here who Jesus does not want to help in that way, right? Not one of us. It's not what we've done or haven't done. It's not about what our status is or how much money we make or not. Listen, how much money you make absolutely means nothing to God. Yes, He wants you to make a living. Yes, He wants you to be honest and work hard. But how much money you make is not important to God. Right? It's not about getting our act together first before we come to God. He accepts everyone, but the basis of His acceptance of us is our faith in His Son despite our failures, despite our faults. The point Jesus was making in this account when He said, let the children come to Me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, is that when we choose to come to Him like a small child, an innocent child, trusting Him, when we are receptive and open to Him just like a little child and come to Him with our dirty clothes and our messy faces, muddy hands, torn up knees, snotty noses, and wrap our arms around Him, that that is the kind of faith, that is the kind of want, that is the kind of yearning and spiritual hunger that God rewards. That's the kind of spiritual hunger that he rewards. He said, my kingdom belongs to such as those. Can you believe that? That's why the Bible is so amazing. It totally cuts against culture. Totally cuts against culture. Jesus began with asking children to come to him and then he expanded that moment that reality, and used it as an example of what the starting point for faith in God is. That we can come to God with childlike wonder and trust that that when we come, we will not be rejected. We will not be turned away. If you're a parent, you know that kids don't naturally wash up before they come running to you, right? (laughs) I mean, sometimes we would like them to, especially if they have jam all over their fingers, right? But no, they come as they are. No inhibitions. They just come as they are. And that's what Jesus wants. For us to come to Him as His little child in wonder, freely, without fear of rejection. No one, no one is too sinful or spiritually dirty to come to the throne of grace. You know why? Because it's a throne of grace. So we can come as we are, but God loves us too much to keep us as we are. He wants to make us more like His Son. That is systematic theology, right? Sanctification always follows salvation. In other words, we can't be like Jesus until we have accepted Jesus. Salvation, sanctification. And we let God clean us up We don't let culture clean us up. We don't let 
popular opinion clean us up, we let God Almighty and His presence clean us up. Let me encourage you today with the awesome reality that Jesus loves you as His child and longs to touch you and embrace you and bless you. He wants to do that today. He wants to do that with you tomorrow and He wants to do that the next day. I think you get my point. He is saying, I want to hold you. I want to carry that burden you have. I want to speak my peace into your problems. I want to empower you to experience victory in your life over whatever binds you and keeps you in bondage. I want to walk by your side daily. I want to bless you. Will you let me? Will you let me? I'm going to end on this. I knew a man many years ago was dying. And uh, shortly before he passed, he was asked how he might act when he saw Jesus for the first time and when the Lord bid him to come to him. And this man who was frail and uh, could hardly speak, he was dying of cancer, his eyes grew wide and his voice perked up strong as he responded, I won't walk to Jesus. I'm going to run to him and I'm going to jump in his arms. That's what God invites the child of God to do in the here and now. Jesus said, let the little children come to me with all their flailing limbs and noise and energy. Just come. Just come. And he was talking about you and I as well. When's the last time you took him up on his offer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm just so thankful that you are who who you are in spite of who we are. We disappoint you. We let you down. We do bad things. We do terrible things. We don't always please you. Don't always walk as you would have us walk. Don't always talk as you would have us talk. And yet you love us. There's no one else in this world that is like that. So we thank you for this passage today. Speak to our hearts, to our families. And just continue to love us, Lord. We'll continue to praise you and worship you. In your name we pray, amen.